Thursday. Mike Chick. <laughs> Hello, Hello and welcome to the podcast. Hello. This is December 4, March 14th. And we're here at the Tyler's Goulash. And here we go. Oh my God, that thing is moving so quick. Oh, it is flying. You recording? Yeah. Great. How old your niece? 19. That's a fun age. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Careful, Craig. <laughs> Careful. I'm going to cack it and knock it. I love Garage Rock and Garage Rock Revival. Crash into me like a poster. I heard he wasn't doing well. I heard he had uh Injabrinston of the knee. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you're recording this. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. You're excused. Is this on? No. You're not plugged in. Man. <laughs> That's my Vern Lundquist. How about makes Garen laugh every time. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome everyone out there inside. All right, let's start this right now. The podcast. Come have a blast. Step on the gas. Smack a giraffe is the podcast. Come talk fast. Pass some gas. Make it last. It's the podcast. 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 Hey man, it's badass. Podcast. Gracias. Ay, Dios mío. Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the podcast. I'm Patrick, your host, and we are celebrating something very special today. We are celebrating 30 years of the life of the one and only Dr. Kenny Sheltonov. Now, if you've ever listened to our show, you are no stranger to Dr. Kenny because Dr. Kenny Sheltonov has made 55 appearances on our show. That's more appearances than anybody, and that's over an 11-year period. It's kind of insane. And uh, it's it's a stat that uh, that is should be known. It's a stat that should be celebrated all around the globe. Cheers to you, Dr. Kinney. I raise this glass of cold brew uh, in your honor today. We are going to be uh, celebrating those appearances. We're going to be playing some of the top uh, Dr. Kinney Sheltonov moments as voted by you, our listeners. And uh, we're also going to have uh, a special guest or two stop by the studio. Uh, to say a few words to Dr. Kenny. So, without further ado, I think we should get into our first uh, classic podcast moment. We had to dig deep in the vaults for this one because this was Dr. Kenny's very first appearance on the show. Um, he's let it be known on this broadcast before that uh, you know he's not a fan of the first few appearances, and that's okay. I'm not a fan of really the first year of the podcast, but you know that's that's just how how it goes. Um, but we can't overlook it. It has to be played. In fact. Uh, Dr. Kinney didn't even go by Dr. Kinney in, in the first appearance that he made. He was Gary the Love God. Uh, so let's go back uh, to 2007 and hear the very first words that Gary the Love God ever spoke on the podcast. Right now we've got our love expert, Gary. How are you today, Gary? I'm love pretty expert. good right now. I'm uh, pretty good. Good. Tell us, uh, tell us some advice to Robbie's heartbreak. I tell you right now, Robbie, I'm telling you. You put too much emphasis on your ladies. The fact is you expect too much out of them. You got to understand a woman, a woman is a very complex creature. But what if we are the complex creature and they don't understand us? But that's the thing. See, they do understand us. They know what's coming. When we hit on them. (laughs) Time out, everybody. Let me tell you something about this world. Here's how it goes. Women will break your heart. Men 
Well, keep trying not to get your heart broken, but it's going to happen every time. I'm telling you. Yeah, that's what I said. Let me tell you three things. One, space nuts. Two, <laughs> stormy waters. Three, I'll see you tonight. I'm telling you. It's just like a stormy sea out there, like a fisherman trying to find that perfect catch. Will you find it? Of course not, because why? The storm will always make it worse. And you got to fight it. You got to make her want it. You got to play hard to get. I'm trying to fight it. I'm trying to make it work. And A, and B, and C, all the above. What a classic moment. There's another early uh, episode uh, from the Pat cast from back in 2008 that uh, Dr. Kenny and I, I know we both thoroughly enjoy. It's a little all over the place, and I think that's what makes it so special because we talk uh, everything from Pete Wentz to John Favreau to One Night in Bangkok. And I'm going to play a clip uh, from one of my personal favorite podcasts. This is from the No Topic, the original No Topic episode. I believe that's John Favreau playing ping pong. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. Do you know, Patrick? I don't either. Is that a ping pong ball even? No. Well, John Favreau is an American actor. I know who John Favreau is. What? That, that. That's not John Favreau. How do you know? Is he American? <laughs> he is American. There wasn't a big... <laughs> is he Japanese? I was thinking he just had his eyes squinted. That's <laughs> not him. Maybe he's playing ping pong with the sun. He does not. I, but the ball is so close to his face, I feel like he's squinting. That is not John Favreau. <laughs> that is John. No. John C. Favreau. No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't want John C. <laughs> Why not? I, because, he's the chairman of something. Yeah, but he goes by Cornelius, which is the C. I don't want Cornelius Favreau. I want John Favreau. You don't know that he's Cornelius. Look it up. I'm waiting on it. All right. All right. South, wait, come back up, come back up. <laughs> South Central Wisconsin Builders Association. Yeah, that's where John Favreau that, works. Now, give me a second. <laughs> that's As Tom, somebody didn't Tom that W. Knotts. His, his last name is Knotts. Oh, that's, well, that's Don Knotts' grandson. No, it's N-A-A-T-Z. Oh. Knotts. <laughs> not Knotts. Knotts. <laughs> Oh, he doesn't have a middle name. <laughs> Does the C have a period next to it? No. You know, Harry S. Truman. No, he's the, he's John Favreau, the chairman. Does the C John stay for chairman? Favreau. John Chairman. There's he was Kara. born to do this. Kara. <laughs> Carol. Oh, Carol. In, we know one in, of them, too. N.G. Bretston. <laughs> that sounds like an infection. N.G. Bretston of the knee. It's a nice website. One night in Bangkok. Got that on there? I don't know. <laughs> Who sings that? I, see, that's what we were, That's what I was trying to figure out the other night. How do you spell Bangkok? Bang. K-O-K. So it's I'm by a, Murray Head. Murray Head. Max Headroom's cousin. One night in Bangkok. Dr. Kenny Sheltonov has been kind enough over the years to guest host the podcast a time or two. In fact, my favorite time he was ever a guest host was at my own wedding. Back in 2013, five years ago, for the uh, two-part Wedding Mania uh, episode spectacular, uh, Dr. Kenny interviewed a bunch of different guests. My personal favorite moment from that episode was him interviewing, getting the candid thoughts uh, from my beautiful wife, Leah. Let's hear it. All right, we're back on the podcast. We're winding down this party at the reception high atop historic Lookout Mountain at the Fairland Club. 
I apologize for my voice if it's getting a little raspy. I've been doing this for quite some time. Um, but, whoa, Let, let's, all, let's all try to get a grip. Things are getting a little out of hand. Uh, winds are breaking up. There's a storm over on. This is most likely due to the open bar. And uh, right now, we have an extremely special guest. I don't want to put her above Patrick or the parents, but she is the bride. And, um, and I can't imagine an interview that might go better than this, mostly because me and Leah don't really have much experience in conversations. So we're going to, oh no, what's happening here? I'm being pointed at. Oh no, I know, I'm doing her intro. Oh, we're getting there. She's getting a, quite, a, quite an intro. Anyway, uh, coming up, Leah Goblish. I, I did it right. First, first try, first time ever. I said at the beginning of this podcast that I was going to just resign myself to pronouncing it goldfish because yes. I didn't want to risk the chance yes. of getting it wrong. Leah Goblish, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Oh, my goodness. This is a dream night. I couldn't have asked for anything more. There's you got, nothing else I want. You got married today. I got married today, 4 o'clock p.m. To the man that you love. To the man that I love. I, just, I don't know if anyone out in Patland knows, but she got married to me today. I just want to make that clear. She married me. Miss Mahan right here. You're calling her Miss Mahan, aren't you? Haven't yet, but will. Um, paperwork hasn't been filed. I don't want to jump the gun. But listen, here's the thing. Leah, first of all, you look spectacular. Thank you. You, you killed it. You were looking fantastic up there. You look like a bride, Aww, which is thank which, you. which which is which is important uh, when getting married. And you've married. married people, so you know you've seen some in your day. I'd like to think that I have enough experience to call that correctly. Yes. Um, how did you think the ceremony went from your perspective? I know it's a little bit unique from most other people's. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it's one that people will remember as well as myself. Um, it was just great. It was funny and just very sweet and very, you know, very us. Any su any surprises? Um, I was, yeah, I was surprised that he, um, he went into it as long as he did. I thought he might make, like, one joke and then be done with it. And, nope, he, uh, turned it all into quite the... He said he clocked it at 37 minutes, shooting, oh for, shooting for just under a half hour. So, uh, he, he definitely, uh was a little liberal with his time but i yes. think it was well worth it yes yes absolutely um it was such a beautiful ceremony it's nice when there's a continuity established between the officiant and the uh wedding party and the bride and groom and everyone involved it's nice to know that it's a it's nice to uh, see it uh, performed as a community event yes absolutely we had so many people here from 12 different states in one building and it was just perfect. That's pretty good. 12 states at one wedding. And most of the people have not been to Tennessee. And most of them had never been to a Baptist church. Yeah, I heard that. Joel was talking about the, uh, the uh, uh, well, I don't want to use the word contentious. But the, 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 the dilemma that was uh, trying to mesh a Baptist ceremony with a Catholic ceremony. We tried. I threw it out there. I was like, do what you can. Grandma traveled far, and it would mean a lot to her as well as me. So. I told him, I asked him, because I, I know communion is more or less typical yeah. at a Catholic wedding. And I was really upset because I was getting a little thirsty uh, part of the way through the ceremony. It would have been nice to have a refresher. I know. But, uh, but I understand the uh, corners that were cut. Anyway, here's the thing. Uh, the reception, I think, so far has been lovely. 
Yes. Yay. I'm uh, glad you think so. Well, I think you picked a fantastic venue. Yes. Oh, my God. And this if, was the place that was like, I need to have it here. Well, like I'm you obsessed said, with this place. With all the people whose first time is in Tennessee, I can't think of a better place to put them than on top of our most historic mountain. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great view. The fog cleared up for the nighttime, which I I couldn't imagine a better scenario. It's so cool. We're it, it brought the city that we you know we're also city people, so I think it's cool that you come up here on a mountain and then you get the city as well. It's a nice blend. I, I completely agree. Uh, it's a uh, best of both worlds. So anyway, uh, the the venue is uh, uh, picturesque and spectacular. Have you ever been here before? The Fairland Club? Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. I, well, I was in middle school, so I didn't care about much back then. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't taking in the sights like I am now, so I'm happy to come back. But uh, I think you made a fantastic decision. I think everything is lovely, including yourself. Thank you. And, uh, and I really appreciate you uh, including me. Absolutely, of course. Patrick got to pick his guys, and I was like... Have whoever you want in it. Just you know, we'll make it about us. I mean, my my none of my family was in it except my little nephew, and I was like, right. just you know, if we want our friends in it. We're probably closer to them, honestly. At least he is, and you know, have them. Fantastic. Well, I I, I think that I think this went fairly smoothly. I think it's a solid interview with the bride. This was the big one. I was waiting for this one. Well, thank you. I hope everybody had fun tonight. God, I hope so too. If I lived in Tennessee, I would rent this place out every like month and just have a dinner with my friends because this is just fancy and beautiful, and everybody should come here. It's a shame it's an audio podcast because it really is spectacular to look at. But uh, we will have photos. We'll link absolutely link up the photos. Absolutely. But in the meantime. Leah, thank you very much for coming thank on the podcast. And thank hugs. you for having me. Oh, hugs. Oh. A few years later, after Wedding Mania, back in 2015, uh, Leah would actually take the reins of our favorite game we play here on the show, Name That Tune, uh, which involved one of the funniest moments, I feel like. It was just a combination of uh, a genre of music uh, that came on, uh, followed by the wrong song being played. It's just. It's a recipe for hilarity. Okay. Ready for the next team? Yep. Yes, team count is ready. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so fucked. I'll never be able to help you. Genre country. <laughs> We're okay. All right, hang on. Shh. We need another, another we need another oh, clip, yeah. yeah? Shush. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that was so short. Good luck, losers. That's the same. What? What? Oh, <laughs> shit. It moved. It moved. Yeah. Hang on. Hang on. That's what she said. Good luck. Hang on. <laughs> this cord is really. We didn't have any of these kind of issues when I was in charge of this Owls. game. Owls. Owls. Oh. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Fuck the answer that? is Toby Keith. How do you like no. me now? All right, so are, are, are the warm-up rounds over no. now? <laughs> Pray how it's going to go. <laughs> I'll just be honest. <laughs> okay, who's the, who's the next? I know the song. I mean, I, had an, I knew it was Toby Keith. I wasn't really sure what song yet, but yeah. It was only until he heard How Do You Like. I was like, oh, yeah, it's How Do You Like. figured out what the song was. Just take the microphone. Did get the point for that? What's the deal? Tyler? What? Do yeah. we get the point for that? No. What? <laughs> the game starts now. <laughs>
Oh, that was the warm-up <laughs> round, I guess. Okay. That was that was ridiculously. This no brought to you by Lumber Liquidators. It's zero to zero. <laughs> <laughs> How do you milk a cow? Okay. What who's is next? this? What is your clip's about to go? Boy, that was fun. Speaking of country music, Dr. Kenny has talked about country music several times on the podcast. And in this next clip, which is taken from the Farewell New York City episode from back in July 2014, Dr. Kenny and Matt Davis talk about country music. Let's talk about country music. Country music. Alright, so I have, I for years, my entire life, I never listened to country at all. Why? Uh, just wasn't my cup of tea. Neither of my parents listened to country. Uh, none of my friends really listened to country. Like when I was a kid or anything, uh, at least not that I knew of. So, so you didn't have didn't the happen. privilege of your parents taking you to the Grand Ole Opry to see the Oak Ridge Boys. No, didn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't share that golden memory with so many other children. <laughs> I've recently, just in the past couple of years, started listening to country, and I've come to the realization that a lot of the criticisms of country music regarding that uh, none of the songs are well-written and... Uh, and they all focus on the same, you know, like six or seven topics. Uh, all those criticisms are totally valid. And it's amazing to me that country music has reached this level of popularity now and is still, is still like, as, I don't know, as simple as it is. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine, like when I hear a pop song, like a good pop song on the radio, I always think there's no way in hell I could ever write that. Like between any sort of vocal harmonies and that super catchy melody, like it's got to be so hard to actually come up with a super catchy melody. You know what I mean? And I realize that they've done, you know, that they sort of, a lot of those songs are sort of created in labs and they're like, well, we know that this chord progression is pleasing to the human ear, so we can put that in a pop song and it'll work. Right. But I don't have like, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin with writing a pop song. Every country song I hear though, I think I could absolutely write that. There's no doubt in my mind. I could have written that song. And it would not have been difficult. I mean, the lyrics are so simple, and they focus on the same basic topics, and all the melodies are, like, just the same. It's just an acoustic guitar riff, and then you, like, throw a slide guitar in there somewhere in the back. You know what I mean? It's hilarious how easy it seems. And I can't believe that there are people in Nashville who are, like, singing in bars and can't, can't, can't get a song on the radio. I would think that there would just be that every country song written is radio quality. That just means that's there's true. something out there that's worse. I don't think that's possible. But Matt, me and Matt have talked about this all the time. Like Matt is always every time Matt hears a shitty country song, he's like, "Great, you have to listen to this." <laughs> every time I hear something that just sounds so ridiculous, I'm just, I just, I'm like somebody else that agrees with me has got to hear this. And like even, even. You know, as bad as most country is, I have determined that Brad Paisley has got to be the worst songwriter of all time. Well, let's, Assuming he writes his own music, I don't know. Well, since I know it's your favorite of his, we need to go ahead right now and dissect the lyrics to Letter to Me. <laughs> Letter to Me is the worst, I think, the worst written song of all time. Well, let's, let's read the first part of it here, all right? Please. If I could write a letter to me and send already, it back in uh, already. time. Already. Hang on. Let me interrupt you, Patrick. Sure. Already the song is awful. Because he's writing a letter to himself. If I could write a letter to me. Like, I've got to imagine there are nine different ways to word that so that it doesn't sound retarded. But he picked the worst one. 
If I could write a letter to me. If I could write a letter to me. That's terrible. And send it and send it back in time to myself at seventeen. I wait. Those are the words. Yes. Send it back in time. <laughs> First, I'd prove it's me by saying, "Look under your bed. There's a okay. skull can and a Playboy. No one else would know you hid." <laughs> okay, so already he's abandoned the rhyming scheme. He's now focusing on the intricate details of how he might prove to his younger self that he's writing the letter. Like this, this concept is already way into outer space. I don't, I don't know how this song has legs. I don't know how it ever got to cut to the recording studio. This is crazy, right? Also, he he's he's going with like the most stereotypical. It's not like he's revealing some intricate personal detail about himself that would only be true to him. How many seventeen-year-olds could you write a letter to and say there's a can of skull and a Playboy under your bed? That applies to like half the seventeen-year-old men in America. <laughs> it does. So right out of the gate, like this is the concept is hilariously flawed. Keep going, Patrick. And then I'd say I know it's tough when you break up after seven months. And yeah, I know you really liked her, and it just don't seem fair. But all I can say is pain like that is fast, and it's rare. And it's rare. <laughs> and oh, you got so much going for you. Now, he's, he's implying at this point that somehow he turned out a failure. And that he's trying to right the wrongs. He's Brad fucking Paisley. He's doing all right. He's, what do you what do you want to change? Yeah, why do you want to change why, anything? What? You're making tons of money now. You're a very successful country singer. I don't know how. But you're, <laughs> but you're a very successful country singer. You're doing a great job at being horrible. So what do you what, what do you need to tell your 17 year old self? Clearly, he's on the right all track. Right, let me skip ahead a bit here, okay? Yeah, okay. He's going to create the butterfly effect, you know, and he's going to disrupt his future. Yeah, he's going to become Kenny Chesney. <laughs> <laughs> at the stop sign at Tomlinson, an eighth, always stop completely. Don't just tap your brakes. And when you get a date with Bridget, make sure the tank is full. On second thought, forget it. That one turns out kind of cool. <laughs> this, he is finally... In the course of this song, now now I'm starting to think that he wrote this song as like a stream of consciousness, where he was like, oh yeah, I can correct all this shit, and then he started to realize, oh wait, no, it's actually okay that all this shit happened. So now, so now, the whole concept of the song is being blown up in the song. He's starting to realize that it's not, that this song shouldn't exist, he doesn't need to write a letter to himself. He's, now he's like, forget I told you about that. Yeah. It's like the last line of the song should be, but wait, never mind. <laughs> so the last part, I'm going to, this is this next section. This is the last part we'll dissect. So we don't need to spend too much more time on this subject. Um, All right. And uh, here it is. And oh, you got so much going for you going right. But I know at 17, it's hard to see past Friday night. Tonight's the bonfire rally, but you're staying home instead. Because if you fail algebra, mom and dad will kill you dead. But trust me, you'll squeak by and get a C, and you're still around to write this letter to me. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Brad, it's, it's got, it, 
It's honestly got to be the worst song in the history of song. Okay, Craig, if you could write a letter to me, not to me, <laughs> to but me. to you. Not to me, but to me. <laughs> what would you not, say yeah. in that letter? I, I honestly wouldn't say anything. It's the, it's the worst concept for a song. Well, I mean, first of all, first, first things first, I would have to prove to me that it's me. So I'd let myself know that there's a can of skull in the closet <laughs> and, and possibly a Playboy in the uh, in my old Super Nintendo box, <laughs> which spo- I'm revealing a lot. But that was my porn hiding place when I was a kid. <laughs> in my Super Nintendo box. Your Super Nintendo box. Very sneaky. Mama no one, no one will ever there. there. Yeah, I hope my mind. It's the, yeah. There's there's a decent amount of uh, porn still in that box. Back in 2011, after a long hiatus from the podcast, we brought the podcast back and celebrated with a special Hall of Fame episode. I was lucky enough to induct my dear friend Dr. Kenny Sheltonov into the podcast Hall of Fame. Let's hear that moment. It's an honor. It's an honor and a privilege to induct our last inductee of the evening into the podcast Hall of Fame uh, tonight. Marks his 16th appearance on the podcast, making him. Uh, uh, still to this day, the having the most appearances on a podcast thus far. Dr. Kenny was actually uh, one of the first guests we had on the podcast. It was him and Robbie Ware in a series of three episodes. Uh, three episodes that I remember very dearly. They were uh, truly, truly legendary, uh, groundbreaking in podcast history. Dr. Kenny went on to appear on, on several more podcasts. He even was involved and was uh, the mastermind behind the uh, Secret Revealed podcast. One of the most controversial podcasts, podcasts of all time. It was his brainchild. It put many, it put lots of thought and lots of feeling into that particular podcast. He's a true legend, and I'm proud to call him my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Kenny Sheltonov. What? Well, hey, thank you, Patrick. I really appreciate it. The kind words. Thank you very much, Patrick, for inducting me. I appreciate it. Is there a, is there a physical incarnation of the Patcast Hall of Fame? Or is it just sort of a, a list of names? Right now. There's not like a building. So right now it's about as credible as the WWE Hall of Fame. It is. Yeah, okay. It's about as credible. <laughs> right. I'd like a plaque, by the way, when we finally do get underway. Ooh, that's a good question. The first thought in my head would be Lepton City. Because Lepton City represented the toughest part of town back when men were men and coke was cola. One thing that I forgot to mention in uh, in your induction speech was that uh, you knew less about James Bond than me. Your thoughts? Horse mess. That's not true at all. I know way more about James Bond than you. You're currently listening to the podcast. This is a special edition of the podcast. We're celebrating 30 years of Dr. Kenny Sheltonov, uh, one of my favorite guests of all time here on the podcast. Um, and speaking of special episodes, there was one episode back in 2008 that we called the special Saturday episode that ended on one of the highest notes that an episode could ever end on. That's when Dr. Kenny performed his bagpipe version of Amazing Grace. Yeah, does anybody want to sing like Amazing Grace? Um, yeah, we could probably do that. I, I could do the bagpipe version. That's the, my favorite version. That's the best version, which has started in a good 
seven or eight seconds after we start silencing. Okay, starting well, Taylor, now. I want you to do that one dull sustaining note that comes out of a bagpipe, just the. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm following your lead. You come in six, seven or eight seconds after we do silence. Right. I come in with the note. You guys ready? All right, here we go. Mona silence for Matt Davis and his heat stroke in three, two, one. That's good stuff. All right. Well, we've come to a special part in the episode where it's time to reveal a special guest. Special guest, please reveal yourself. It is I, Matt Davis. That's right. A longtime friend of Dr. Kenny Sheltnob. And it's it's actually kind of funny because we did a uh, special a few years ago when you first turned 30 and Dr. Kenny appeared on that. So we've come full circle. That's correct. Um, uh, my, how the times have, times are changing. Yes. I mean, Dr. Kenny is now finally, you know, hitting his thirties. Um, it's, it's hard for me to believe as I'm sure it is for you as you've known him for a long time. And how, how uh, far back does your relationship go with Dr. Kenny? Uh, my relationship with uh, Dr. Kenny goes all the way back to about the year 2003, 2004-ish. That sounds about right. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty long time. I've uh, been able to watch Dr. Kenny uh, grow up. and uh, From a boy into a man. That's correct. <laughs> and uh, back in 2003, what were your first impressions of Dr. Kenny Sheltnoff? Um, you was know, he a doctor back then? No, he wasn't. He was, uh, you know, he was an undergrad at that time, and uh, <laughs> yeah. it, was, uh, it was the combat boots that always threw me off about Craig. Oh, well, of course. Um, I just, uh, you know, that's what threw me off the first time I saw Keanu Reeves on the subway. <laughs> um, Keanu can be very off putting when you see him out in the, uh, you know, out in the public. wild. So mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. It's, it's the same, the same feeling with Craig. Um, uh, you know, uh, that was my, my nickname for Dr. Kenny there. Yeah. It was, it's many over the years. We've called him Craig many times to the confusement of our listeners. Many a times. And um, besides the combat boots, what were your first impressions? Uh, you know, it was, uh, I just kept thinking, I was like, is this kid homeschooled? Like, what is, <laughs> what is his deal? I can't quite, uh, I can't, you know, pinpoint the situation. Yeah. Um, I figured he was uh, in a band or something. I don't yeah. know. That's just the vibe you put out back then. It was. So did you think way back when, in 2003, that in the year 2018, you'd still be friends with this guy? No, I didn't. I, I didn't think we were ever going to be friends. <laughs> to begin with. That's correct. Oh, my gosh. What did Dr. Kenny have back then that he doesn't have now? Would you say the combat boots? Well, for sure. He doesn't have the combat boots anymore. He's traded them in for something more luxurious. Yeah, I'm pretty sure one, if not both, of the boots were split in half in the sole anyway. <laughs> but uh, oh, Doctor Kenny. 
Yeah, old Dr. Kenny. Um, I don't know. He's, uh, he's, he's, I'll tell you, that's one character that you can, uh, you could say that you've seen, you've seen many, many phases. That's right. And, and out of all of the phases, we'll, we'll call them eras. What, what is your favorite era of Dr. Kenny Shelton of? Ooh, now this is a, this is a tough one. You know, I would like to say, uh, I'm really digging the, uh, denim phase, uh, which is, uh, uh, Dr. Kenny of late. Um, the present. Yes. The present. But uh, you know, I really did have some good, uh, good fun times with the uh, fat Craig for a long time. <laughs> well, we all did. <laughs> Me, you, T Bone, Capone, Sailor Jerry—we all had good time. Oh yeah, there's there's not many people you run across that have spent good, you know, time with him that can't say that they weren't good time. You know, that's true. That's true. Now, when it comes to the podcast, is there any moments that might stand out that? you might favorite or even possibly dislike when it comes to Dr. Kenny on the show? Cause you know, he's had more appearances than anybody. Oh, no, I can't, you know, I can't say, uh, I can't say specifically that there's uh, you know, one that sticks out more than the other. And uh, I don't really think I have many bad things to say about Craig. Was it the time that maybe was it the time that he did the bagpipes version of amazing grace? Ooh, well, now that that was classic. I, I probably, you know, besides on the turning of the way, uh, I would probably prefer him to uh, do that at my funeral if he oh. doesn't mind. <laughs> well, I don't think he would mind at all. Um, <laughs> and you know, speaking of that, are there any songs out there that remind you specifically of Dr. Kenny Shelton? Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Two that stick out to me about Dr. Mm-hmm. Kenny Shelton are uh, one song. Um, is uh, Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover. Oh, yeah. Uh, by Sophie B. Hawkins. Oh, of course. And then uh, I Kissed a Girl by Jill Sobule. Yes, that's right. You know, two, um, two female 90s songs, that's what those have in common. I know. Um, he, he was... Uh, he was in love with those, uh, you know, those lesbian tunes of the night. Oh, that's right. I'll never forget the time that uh, we had, you know, gone out to one of our mini trips to McKay's way back when. And he specifically asked me to go out and find a lesbian compilation album, which took me, I think, no less than two or three minutes to return to him with a CD in hand, um, which I can only hope he still listens to to this day. I hope so, um, too. One of the many great finds at McKay's, you know, he remember when he found Pornhouse? Oh man, that was uh, that's classic. I feel like that's that was in part. your that was in your uh, boombox for a while. <laughs> it was. I do remember that. That was classic. Well, Matt, we we really appreciate you coming back onto the show for this special occasion celebrating thirty years of Dr. Kenny Sheltonov. And is there any advice now that you're a few years into your thirties? Well, I would say uh, that this is um, this is a uh, this is a good time in your life that you can truly reflect on, uh, you know, your your younger years. Yeah. So this is a this is a time where you can really get a good evaluation of, uh, you know, where where your life has come and where it's going to. I just uh, I think. That uh, my, I guess my best advice for Craig would be to uh, you know embrace the fact that uh, you're a true adult now. You know you're uh, you're you're a man of your age now, so you you know just just rock what you know for sure. Rock what you know, Doctor Kenny. All right, thank you, Matt Davis. 
I hope uh, this is actually the first time you broadcasted from your new, newly renovated Texas studio. Yes. Um, we hope to the do new... many more shows from there in the future. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, and I, I'm always I'm always willing to uh, talk more about Craig anytime, oh, anytime, anytime I can. Well, we look forward to the 40 years of Dr. Kenny episode special here in yeah, 10 years. I, I look forward to it as well because you know Craig, Craig loves my speeches and I'm sure he's loving this advice right now for me. The podcast comes back. Business is booming at Jerry Fish Rackets Driving Range and Winery, which is why they're expanding their operation, announcing the all-new Jerry Fish Racket Bakery, providing you with all the best pies, cakes, cookies, and pastries you'll find anywhere. Come get a nice warm muffin, a bucket of balls, and a glass of muscadine to wash it all down. Nothing says loving like something from the oven. That's brand new Jerry Fish Racket Driving Range, Winery, and Bakery. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. You're listening to the podcast on the Goulash Radio Network. Hi, this is Tyler Mullins. No, not that Tyler Mullins. About five years ago, I was feeling really, really down and lost. I had no idea what I could do to turn my life around, so I looked to the good Lord Jesus Christ. And he sent me Dr. Kenny Sheltonov, my one true savior. It was with the help of Dr. Kenny and his 42-rung ladder of progress that I was finally able to find my place in life. Dr. Sheltonov taught me that dreams were for rich people and made it abundantly clear that I was not rich people. He taught me that goals were just man-made hurdles that we set up for ourselves just so we can have something to trip over when trying to reach them. This man is a genius. And now, I'm single, I have a job making upwards of 13000 a year, and let me tell you, my libido has never been more bland. This process works. I would like to urge each and every one of you to seek out the counsel of Dr. Sheltonov so he can guide you on your journey to self-realization and mediocrity. Hello friends, this is the American Dream Dusty Rhodes coming to you live today to talk about the Matt Davis Body Scrub. I know you have been carded by other competitors, other lies, other imposters out in the ether, but folks, I am a disciple of the one true hygiene product. However, I did not come here today to talk about ornaments. I came here to call out you, Brooks T. Lockwood. I have not forgotten just two short months ago when you came up and hit me from behind. I saw where the line was drawn. So come this Sunday, Brooks, at Starcade, we'll find out if your blood is as red as mine. Just the rise on the edge of a bolt of lightning on a silver saddle, daddy. Scrub it down good, folks. Make it clean. This is Kevin Morse, and you're listening to PatCast. Now for this next classic clip, you guys might want to sit back and buckle up, because it's a long one. Back in 2008, Dr. Kinney decided to share uh, one of the most infamous stories from his life. I, I enjoy it thoroughly, although it is about 13 minutes long, so just have that heads up. And uh, I'm just going to let Dr. Kinney take it away. This is from the That's Not Magic, That's Manslaughter episode, episode 30 of the PatCast. The podcast. Okay, I'll give you the intensely abbreviated version. Mm-hmm. I started going to Baylor when I was in seventh grade, and then uh, my freshman year, we were at the Baylor-McCauley game, and uh, there's this big like horseshoe of balloons where the football players run through at the beginning of the game, and I was in the band. I played tuba. There's this guy in band who was like, hey, let's um, steal this thing of balloons and put it in the bus, because we were in a big school bus. And uh, this guy, by the way, if you're ever driving up Signal Mountain, there's a big white house with the disappearing edge pool and all the windows in the front. He lives there. 
His name's Chad Bullard. He has a twin brother named Chase Bullard. Chad and Chase, how y'all doing? Uh, we threw these uh, things on the bus, and then uh, I was hoping, usually when they have those, uh, like when you get party balloons or whatever, they have that silver, that shiny bag attached to the bottom to weigh it down. It's usually filled with sand. Yeah. So I opened it up, and uh, I was going to be like, hey, free sand, right? <laughs> free sand. And, uh, free sand, everybody! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't go to the beach very often, or uh, Chester Frost for that matter. So we opened the bag. There were water balloons. But they weren't like the thin water balloons. They weren't the designated water balloons. They were like real balloons filled with water. So they don't bust as easy. Yeah. Right? We took them. And so we're like, you know, you're on a school bus. We're in high school. We go to Baylor. And uh, we're going down the freeway. What would you do with a bunch of water balloons? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. You throw them at cars. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So we're like, all right, well, let's throw these at cars. <laughs> so we roll down the window. And uh, so we're throwing them out. And like, uh, we'd miss some. They'd hit the curb. But none of them were busting. And we're like, you got to be kidding me. We're going 70 miles an hour and these balloons aren't busting. It's like, what, what, bus what are, you in? are these made of? A, a school bus. Look at Baylor has some pimped out school bus. Hell yeah, man. They're red and white. You can see them driving around town every <laughs> once in a while. Also in the ghetto. I got kicked out of community service. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but, um, so, <laughs> so we were throwing them at cars and we threw them at, I threw one at this one car and it like smacked the hood and it smacked the windshield and then it bounced off and it never broke. And I was like, oh, well, okay, well, we're out of balloons now. So, uh, we, uh, get off on the ramp on the exit ramp to uh, go back to Baylor. Uh, we were sitting in the very back of the bus, and I uh, see this car pull up behind us. And I turn around, I go, guys, guys, that's the car. That's the car I hit with the balloon. They're all like, no, nah, you're crazy. You're full of it. You don't know what you're talking about. So you're just paranoid. And I'm like, no, man, that's really the car. We go down Signal Mountain Boulevard, and we pull into the turning lane. The car pulls into the turning lane. I'm like, guys, that's him. And, and at this point, they're all like, you know, maybe it is. And uh, so we pull into Baylor, you know, and uh, we go we go around. And the music building is on, like, the other side of campus, and you have to drive in a loop to get to it. And there's a stop sign at one edge of the loop. And we stopped at the stop sign, and the car stopped behind us, and then somebody got out out of the passenger seat and he got out and then the bus of course you know completed its stop and then kept driving so now this guy's chasing the bus on foot <laughs> and this guy is determined to catch the culprit so he finally runs over you know and he and as soon as the bus door opens he jumps on he starts shouting and hollering and he's like somebody threw something in my car somebody uh, i'm gonna press charges i will take a lie detector test i swear this happened <laughs> somebody in this bus <laughs> and he is freaking out and uh of course i'm back there i'm like okay guys don't say a word it's like nobody knew it was us we we're in the back of the bus nobody saw it and so everybody was quiet, and our band leader was just like, I don't know what you're talking about, so you're going to have to get off the bus. we got to unload all this equipment. And the guy's like, I'll oh, press charges. <laughs> and then this stupid, I don't mean to discriminate, but this stupid little Korean girl, she pointed back at the back of the bus. She was like, well, none of the windows are open except for that one back there by Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, wow, thanks, Emi Watanabe, whose parents own Sushi Nabi. I love that place. A band leader got the guy calmed down, and he went off the bus and everything. I got out of that unscathed, no big deal. year later, I'm talking to Tyler Mullins, who many of us know and um, love. I'm speaking for everybody. Uh, he was talking to me in the driveway, and he was at Red Bank, and uh, this is his sophomore year, you know, and he had just gotten into uh, physics, and he was telling me, he was like, dude, uh, the other day we were talking in class, and um, uh, my teacher, Miss Manning, who some of you may or may not know, she was like, oh, I got a story for you. Last year, me and my husband were driving back from the Baylor Macaulay game. And uh, we were driving beside the bu this school bus, and a water balloon comes out and hits the windshield. And uh, I hate Baylor, and uh, those kids, they treated us like crap. And it's we true, it happened. I'll take a lot of tickets. <laughs> oh, press charges. <laughs> And she was like, no, I disagree with Baylor. And she's got this whole thing. She gave this whole speech. I was like, oh, that's real funny. Then fast forward one more year. 
I'm at Baylor still. We had this like college counseling meeting thing and we went to that. And then after that, um, Macaulay was having this uh, lacrosse jamboree. So we go over to that, me and this other kid named Alex Copeland. Oh, he's naming oh, no, you were t- totally naming names. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Copeland goes to West Point. He's a uh, freshman. He You're lives getting in, kicked out of West Point with this story, bro. <laughs> he lives in Sunny Daisy, Tennessee. He's uh, half Taiwanese, half American. So we go to this uh, lacrosse jamboree and everything. We go in and uh, we meet up with these two other guys. Their names are Alec Gupton <laughs> and Josh Schoifler. What are, what are their races? White and Caucasian. After this, we, we uh, go over to the lacrosse, uh, the lacrosse locker room, you know, and we're just walk, walking around the field house exploring and whatnot. That's when I hear the story that a couple weeks ago, my friends, and I'm using Using air quotes for all of you who can't see me. <laughs> My friends, a couple weeks before, they had they, they were all playing lacrosse. The three of them played lacrosse. I had nothing to do with lacrosse. Uh, personally, I'm not that big of a fan. Uh, I think it's just ice hockey without ice. So they had like jacked all this lacrosse equipment out of this shed that was out by the lacrosse fields like as a prank. And they were like, well, hey, let's get more before we give it back. The whole idea was that we were going to put all the lacrosse stuff into like a big bag or whatever and then put it out in the middle of the lacrosse field. We go to Baylor. It's Macaulay. The stuff happens, right? Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. a normal prank. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so we're going to put it all out in the middle of the lacrosse field, you know, and just like screw them over. So we go into the locker room and we go in there and uh, we're, we're like grabbing all their stuff after they'd already changed and left. We were not in there while they were changing. So we got all the stuff and we put it in a pile and then we like heard somebody coming. So we freaked out and what we had done is we had locked all the doors so nobody could come in while we were in there jacking all their stuff we lock all the doors and everything and uh we hear somebody we freak out we run and when we get outside that's when we realize we locked the doors and so we can't get back in so all their stuff is like in a pile in the middle of the locker room when it should be in a pile in the middle of the field <laughs> so uh about this time alex copeland the uh half chinaman i got a call from his girlfriend <laughs> that's only his... half racist by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i got a call from his girlfriend who had been in a wreck so we had to go see her she'd like run into a jeep or whatever and off of fraser and then while her car was on the tow truck another car came in and ran into the back of hers and totaled it while it was on the tow truck wow and and uh, so, like, we had to take her to the hospital and everything, and uh, there was this whole big ordeal. And then we were like, well, what about the lacrosse stuff? Should we go back for it? And it was like, yeah, let's go back for it. So we go back to Macaulay, and we get on campus, and we go over, and we're like, well, the doors are locked. How are we going to get in? It's like, can we pick the lock? And it was like, well, nobody really knows how to pick a lock. So we are like, well, what's the next best thing? It's like, well, Mission Impossible. So I hoist <laughs> Copeland up by his feet, and he climbs into the ceiling, uh, at which point he crawls along some pipes and across the doorway, and about, you know, after 10 minutes of hearing hearing him like scuffle up there i hear a thump and uh, then the door unlocks and he opens it and he's covered in sweat and dust and everything he's like we're in <laughs> i was like man that was the coolest thing that's ever happened <laughs> so we go in there we take the stuff we put it in my car we leave we go to his house and everything fast forward that was on a saturday the next put it in the middle of their field not yet Okay. We had to get all the stuff together because Copeland still had all the other stuff that they had stolen the week before. We wanted to do it all at once. My bad, my bad. Wednesday rolls around. The dean of Baylor walks up to me. Her name is Sue Ramsey. She's the <laughs> dean of ninth and 10th grades. We had this big meeting and everything, and uh, they get around to the fact that, um, well, there were security cameras in the field house. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. We saw the cameras, yeah. but the fact is, none of us, they wouldn't know who any of us are. We, none of us had criminal records that we don't go to Macaulay or anything. So, like, there was no big deal if they caught us on camera. What were they going to do? And that's when I learned that Alec Gupton, one of us four, had spent two years at Macaulay yeah. the year before. Fantastic. He was the link 
<laughs> and uh, so he screwed us over. I mean, not intentionally, of course. So we have this big meeting. I have to go in front of the Honor Council, which if you know anything about Baylor Honor Council, that is the most intimidating experience. Because you're like, oh, it's a you know jury of my peers. It's like, no, you don't hang out with any of these people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't even know how they get elected. <laughs> I don't know any of them. What are their names? Okay, there's no. Harris English. <laughs> oh, wow. We go Baylor in front Honor of Council. uh this honor council and of course they find us guilty because they don't understand because you were <laughs> <laughs> they find us guilty because i don't know we weren't or, or whatever i don't know i'm gonna agree with them though they don't understand they probably don't here's the, the thing and they i probably don't understand. i use this analogy in the honor council meeting which i'm pretty sure is why i was not <laughs> yes please share uh, lifted of all charges um i said listen what we were doing was pulling a prank. We were going to steal the stuff, and then we were going to put it all back in the middle of their field, right? But you caught us in the middle of the prank, which if you catch somebody in the middle of a prank, of course it looks like stealing because it's not completed yet. If you stop a magician in the, <laughs> in the middle of his trick where he saws a woman in half, that's not magic. That's manslaughter. <laughs> Nice. They didn't think so, I guess. They don't have abstract yeah. minds, you know, whatever. <laughs> we were found guilty, and then we went into the meeting, and uh, it was like every meeting we went to, it's like one of our group left. Because, like, when you get kicked out of Baylor, it, it's a very strenuous, long, drawn-out process. So this was over, like, the course of a week, when really the first day they could have just said, oh, you're gone. Yeah, that would have been even better, huh? We're sitting there, you know, and we, like, go to the first meeting, there's four of us there. We go to the second meeting, there's three of us. Where's Schoifler? Uh, he dropped out. And then we go to the next meeting, and it's like, well, where's Gupton? Uh, he went to military school. And oh, so wow. in the last meeting, it's just me and Copeland. It keeps getting worse and worse. It does. Like, oh, no. It does. And it's just like, it's just me and Copeland, who have known each other since kindergarten. So we go in there, and they're like, well, the thing is expulsion. You know, so yeah, we're going to have to kick y'all out. And they were like, but the thing is, we never actually kick anybody out. We let you withdraw before you can actually get kicked out. So, you know, so you makes said, it, I ain't dropping out. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like, it makes it look better on paper, you know, because yeah. it doesn't say you got kicked out. Here's the problem, though. Baylor knows that they're not going to let you off easy, right? So, instead of just saying, hey, you can withdraw, they give you this form, and it's got all these words on it, fine print, a bunch of lines where you sign an initial and everything. But at the top, it says, form for withdrawal to avoid dismissal. They just, <laughs> they just have to stick you right there. It's just like, can I just withdraw? It's like, no, because you're avoiding dismissal. <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. Anyway, I get that whole thing worked out, and I end up going to Red Bank because I'm zoned for Red Bank because I live in Red Bank. Hey. And when I get to Red Bank, I get all these classes. I basically pick up all the classes that I had at Baylor, you know. One of my classes is physics. Yes. <laughs> and I go in and, you know, I meet all my teachers and everything. I don't think anything of it. And then I was talking to Tyler and I was, he was like, well, what are your classes? And I said, well, yeah, I got physics. And he said, well, who do you have for physics? And I said, well, Miss Manning. And he was like, you know who that is, don't you? I was like, who? And he was like, the chick you hit with the water balloon. <laughs> And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I was like, he well. Said, no, I'll take a lot of Texas tests. <laughs> I don't want to mention it, but I will mention it. And so I thought, well, it would be best for my academic career if I mentioned it like the last day of school. <laughs> so I wait till the last day of school. And I look at her and I was like, Miss Manning, I think I know you from somewhere. <laughs> Is it and for she, me teaching you physics all year? I was no, like, it's not that. I knew you before that. <laughs> and she was like, well, where do you know me from? And I was like, do you remember a few years ago? 
you and your husband were driving home from the Baylor Macaulay game, and your car got hit with a water balloon out of like the Baylor band bus. She was like, "How'd you know about that?" And I was like, "Well, <laughs> you have no idea." Do you have twenty minutes? <laughs> exactly. I was like, "Well, I'm the I'm the one who threw the water balloon," and she just goes, "Are you kidding?" And at this point, I'm like, "Okay, my grades have been submitted," <laughs> and uh, and then she was like, "That is so honorable of you to admit to that." <laughs> I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I was like, all right, though. Yeah, sweet. Yes, it is. <laughs> so everything worked out. Oh, and then epilogue. Um, I found out a little later that when uh, Copeland's girlfriend's car got hit the, by the Jeep, you know, I was telling my mom that story. And she said, well, what color Jeep was it? <laughs> no. I said white and she was like well, what would the girl look like and I was like well she's kind of tall she had short blonde hair she works at bankruptcy court and they have yeah. three judges and she goes well that's weird because Judge Cook's daughter got in a wreck this weekend and she was coming around turning on to Frazier from Hicks and Pike and she ran into the back of a car that was on the back of a tow truck <laughs> <laughs> no I don't think it was her <laughs> it's probably another wreck mom I was like wow wow yeah what a twisty turny story. You are like Chattanooga's Kevin Bacon, I think. You're connected to everyone <laughs> in some At crazy, least that one weekend. Th via some crime, you're connected to everyone. Are you, you connected to the Spider-Man robber? Oh, check this out. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Wow, what a story. This next clip also comes from Season 2 of the Cast from Episode 31. The episode was called The Year 1999, and somehow, in the midst of talking about Woodstock 99... We traveled back 10 years earlier. And they had Woodstock 94. They had a few Woodstocks. They had like Woodstock 72. I had, oh, yeah, there was a Woodstock 79 and 89. Oh. Woodstock 89? <laughs> you want to know who played at Woodstock no, 89? No, 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 don't. No, no okay. don't. This is a, oh, there's not even a list. <laughs> Good. But there was a lunar eclipse during the concert. Oh. It was not promoted at all. And at first it appeared there would be no stage, no lighting, and no performers until those things began arriving with the growing crowd. If you build it. That <laughs> 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 doesn't even make sense. Did you see yourself buying a $200 ticket and just standing in a field? <laughs> Food and beverages were not sold. Participants oh. brought their own supplies. Good God. What? That is, I wouldn't expect anything more of Woodstock 89. It says, uh, Wavy Gravy, the Woodstock All-Stars, and Al Hendrix, the father of Jimi Hendrix, appeared at the concert. The father of Jimi? Hey, Wavy Gravy was there, okay? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, look at Wavy Gravy. Oh, my God. <laughs> that guy looks like he is eating way too much Wavy Gravy in his day. It says, he he was constantly being arrested at demonstrations. <laughs> he decided... Oh, wait, not at Woodstock. No, he... <laughs> <laughs> he was constantly being I thought you meant like he was time. trying to sell beer out of his cooler. <laughs> he decided he would be less likely to be busted if he was dressed as a clown. Clowns are safe. <laughs> Wavy gravy. gravy is the shit. <laughs> he said, Look this shit up. Clowns are safe, as he put it. No, they're not. <laughs> are you kidding? Have you seen it? He is a yeah. lifelong activist for peace and personal empowerment. Back to 99, Patrick. He's got a radio show on well, Sirius. Okay. No way. <laughs> <laughs> it's finally time to take you back to the funniest 59 minutes in podcast history, aka episode 86, where Dr. Kenny Sheltonov cannot pronounce 
Dermot Mulroney's name. Everybody knows Kyle Chandler. I think more so than Dean Kane. I would say so. He's been in plenty of things. I think there's a reasonable chance a lot of people think Dean Kane and Kyle Chandler are the same person. It's kind of like when everyone thinks that... Billy Zane is the guy from The Mummy. <laughs> oh, Kyle Chandler, he's awesome. Yeah, everyone does think that. <laughs> and then Billy Zane was in, like, The Mummy 4, like, the directed DVD sequel, which completed the circle. Oh, Kyle Chandler. I had no idea. Yeah. Billy Zane family made it into a Mummy movie. Family. Every time family. I've misspoken tonight, Tyler's called me on it. There's <laughs> <laughs> also an Argo, by the way. Kyle Chandler? Fargo? Yes. Legend. It was a great movie. Legend. That man could win an Oscar, and Dean Cain would still be more popular. Perhaps. Dean Why? Cain. Is it like when people confuse Dylan McDermott and Dermot Mulroney? <laughs> Does anybody actually confuse Dylan McDermott and Dermot Mulroney? <laughs> Dermot Mulroney? <laughs> what, was that a, what was that a skit, right? Yeah, it was in a, it was I don't on remember. A, okay. The two who are the two guys so you've got Dermot Mulroney. Dylan Dylan, Dylan, whatever Dylan McDermott and from The Practice. Oh right. And Dermot Mulroney. Dom, fucking <laughs> I can't believe I can't say that. Love interest of Zoe but Deschanel he, and but, but Dermot Mulroney or whatever his name Dermot is. Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney. Dermot <laughs> yeah. Mulroney. Who's the other guy? They were both in a best friend's wedding. Kyle Chandler? Matt. Hugh Grant? I don't know yet. I'm still trying to figure out if Dean Kane was in Pacific Blue. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, just look up Pacific Blue instead of looking up Dean He's Kane. got a pretty large filmography here, so. Who, Dean Kane? Yes. Oh, go fuck yourself. Most Dean of them Kane. are Christmas movies. Did you yeah. notice that? Did you see how many Christmas movies he's been in? A lot of movies with dogs for some reason. <laughs> Aussie and Ted's Great Adventure. <laughs> It's a dog spoof of Bill and Ted. What's that guy's name? It looks like Dermot Mulroney. Dylan McDermott. No. no. The other one, Matt. Help oh, me out. Oh, for my best friend's we wedding? W- yes, because we went back and forth on this because he's at the end of abduction. Spoiler for abduction. <gasps> <laughs> Taylor Lautner's dad <laughs> is oh, played sh- by Dermot Mulroney. Uh, that name oh, sounds fake. No. I can't no. Say that. that name sounds fake. <laughs> at the end of the movie? No. You just see his mouth. I've seen abduction Dermot like four Moroni times. Is what? in my best friend's wedding. Yeah, I know. Who's the other guy in my best friend's wedding? Rupert Everett. Rupert Everett. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. Those two, I get confused. Uh, and they were in the same movie. And just like that, all good things must come to an end. Dr. Kinney, thank you so much for providing some of the greatest and funniest and classic podcast moments over the last eleven years. Um, thank you for your friendship. It goes goes back with me much further than that. It goes back to uh, summer care when we didn't go to the pool, when you don't remember meeting me. But I remember it well, just like it was yesterday. Wish we could go back, relive all the great times again, like when we went to that unincorporated town of Bristow, or when Fat Kid was hosting the 90s at 9 on 96.5, and we were on the radio twice. Classic times I'll never forget. We gotta close the show with Dr. Kinney's crowning achievement of the podcast. It was an episode he worked on for a long time and thankfully didn't ruin any friendships. If anything, it made all the friendships stronger. We are gonna end with a classic clip from an episode titled Secret Revealed.
I just thought of a major bullet on the timeline. May 24th, 2007, Ooh. I graduated from high school. Matt Davis, supposed to be there on the same night, Jacob Dodd, Kara's wee brother, graduate, or excuse me, getting promoted from, Love and um, Matt had the option of going to Jacob Dodd's promotion or Craig Shelton's high school graduation, and he chose, well the promotion all because he promised jacob there was a stretch there where he hung out with jacob a lot i feel like the only reason he hung out with him is to get around kara well i'm sure that's how it started so they did that summer i guess the relationship got heavier she got in trouble for staying at matt's till some wee hour of the morning i believe it was two was it two i was thinking it was like 115 or so i was i was thinking it was two hours after curfew which would have made it one but it could have been two in the morning <laughs> at any rate she got in trouble but she was there with richard Chard. Richard Garn? No. What? <laughs> Al? No. Anyway, there was one instance in the summer where uh, they were on the porch, Kara tried to kiss him, and the father saw, observed, witnessed the encounter. Matt told Taylor. Matt did tell Taylor. <laughs> Matt telling anybody. That's the thing. You, Matt Matt reveals, well, they both reveal some information, but they don't rea what they don't realize for some reason is that every time somebody gets a piece of information that has to do with this relationship, they report back. Or no, Matt's mom. This is interesting. Called Kara to, I don't know, Matt was at this church camp thing in which he... Yes, Matt was at Jesus camp. They were asked, or I don't know, told Matt's mom to tell all of Matt's friends to write him letters of what he means to them and something. I don't know. But Matt's mom calls Kara first, and she has to tell everybody else about it. Which she did a terrible job of doing. Yeah, she did really bad. Yeah, but we can speculate that that was intentional. And thus allowed her to be the only one that wrote the letter, uh, giving her a supreme amount of brownie points. Because each letter, in addition to hers that Matt received, decreased the value of the letters. Also, whenever uh, me me uh, went with Karen Matt up to uh, the pumpkin patch one day, the, all the pictures though there's one extra picture in the on the very last of the album, and I, I'm cut out of it, and it's just her and Matt. You're kidding? No, <laughs> you're legitimately cut out. Yeah, I was cut out. Of Good it. God! <laughs> oh, I was like, why'd you put that up? I didn't say that. I thought that. No, that's great information. Thank you, Patrick. You're right. I just the stuff keeps coming to me, such as the national championship game. The national championship game. That's right. National of the championship. The cars, the the car rodeo. Yeah, Matt never showed up to the national championship. Matt never game. showed up to the national championship game, which he didn't even show up to Walmart the night before. He waited in the parking lot for like twenty five eight minutes. Twenty five eight. That's a long time. I know. Here's some uh, information that has to do with the lying thing. Back in the summer, we went to go see Order of the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix. Me, Tyler, Tiffany, and Kara went to go see Harry Potter, and uh, we talked for a while and. Matt was at Typhoon, and we were going to go play tennis afterward. I believe it was a Thursday. During the conversation in the parking lot, Kara said that she hadn't talked to Matt for quite some time, like a week or two. Yeah. Well, the next day or in the following couple of days, I uh, tapped into Matt's voicemail mailbox to change his voicemail as a joke, as a harmless prank. I wasn't spying or anything. It was a harmless prank. But there was a voicemail from Kara from the day before the Harry Potter movie about her calling him. Well, that, that was just an obvious lie that she lied. I don't know. That there, there's nothing. The the message was didn't have any valuable information in it. She just what did it say? Said, "Hey, Matt, it's Kara. I really wanted to talk to you. You know, it's like she did say it's like miles when we're apart or, or something like that. It, it was really lame. But 
I think it was on Kara's phone. Matt Matt calls her baby and stuff in text messages. You're kidding. Why have we not shared this before? This is a lot of fun. <laughs>